Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and happy birthday. It's Justine's birthday. Today, 57 years ago, I took a bus down Avenue A to Bellevue Hospital, where I contrived to have a 
unassisted natural births in the maw of the monster with everyone telling me I could not do that and to even nurse Justine, despite the fact that they tried their best to keep me from it. Happy birthday, Justine. I'm so glad that you're part of my life and part of all of our lives. Thank you so much for this blog talk show. This show is Justine's idea. Every time we gather here at uh, the blog talk show, I am thankful to Justine for setting this up and creating it. Happy birthday to my precious daughter. Hi, Sarah Ellen. Oh, hi, Susan. And happy birthday, Justine. We love you. Mm-hmm. And all the wonderful videos she makes. Mm. So much. Yeah. Make I've so been much. making I've been making videos and I was saying I've been making videos of myself reading, but it's not true. I'm not really making videos of myself. I'm making videos of the book I'm reading. You hear my voice, but you see the book. Mm. So that you can read along for the Hypericum Conference. And our guest tonight at 9 o'clock is going to be the Hypericum Conference. And Sarah Ellen and I, who has behind the scenes been working on this for many months are going to share with you um um i want to share about the, the presenters and what's going to be presented at the hypericum conference and all kinds of other things as well so we'll really um let you in on that and part of that is because today is the last day that you can sign up for free to attend the Hypericum Conference. You don't have to attend it if you sign up, but you forevermore have the right to go to wisewomenschool.com and do it. You, of course, get things for actually attending. Primarily, you get to interact with the presenters. Each presenter, and again, Sarah Ellen and I are going to introduce you to the presenters and what they're going to be talking about. Each presenter is available for a one-hour live Zoom session so that you can interact with them, talk to them, share your experiences, ask questions that may have come up for you in looking at their presentation. The Zoom session will always be after their presentation has aired. And we'll be putting up two or three presentations a day starting on May 1st. And they don't come down. So we put up a couple on May 1st. And then on May 2nd, we put up a couple more. And the ones from May 1st are still there. And then on May 3rd, we put up a couple more. And the ones from May 1st and May 2nd are still there. So that by day 10, all of the sessions are available to you at any time. If you've signed up for free, then you have free lifetime access. And starting, I think it's tomorrow, it's $49. And it will be $49 up until, I think, the first 36 hours of the Hypericum Conference. And then it goes to, it's a full price of $98. So and get in there. Go to wisewomenschool.com and sign up today. 
Yes, and actually, um, behind the scenes, I think Justine made some tweaks to that because, well, the 15th is the last free day for sign-up. So that will be tomorrow. Tomorrow, yep. Tomorrow. That's- and so you've got one more day. You don't have to rush off the show right now to go sign up. You can listen to the show tonight and then sign up right after the show or anytime tomorrow. It will still be free. Uh, then... There is um, a flash sale period. Yeah, so that's the little interim moment that uh, the the flash sale will be happening March 16th and 17th. So if you miss tomorrow, totally blank out, and you forget to register for free, you have two days to register for $19.99. That's March 16th. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> yes. Then the price goes up to $49, and we'll stay that way until the conference or through the conference. So get in there yes. tonight or tomorrow and sign up for free, uh, wisewomanschool.com, uh, or the easing link or the Facebook link on March 1st. So lots of ways to find it. All right, and we're going to be talking about that from 9 to 9.30, so we'll give you lots more juicy details. And as I said, I've been reading um, into the camera for the conference making Hypericum shorts. Now, here is your ultimate out. For those who always want an out, anyone who submits a short gets free lifetime access to the conference. So if you somehow don't get registered before midnight tomorrow and if you somehow miss the flash sale, then you're out. Your way in for free is to submit a short. You looking at the camera and talking about how you've used Hypericum, how it feels to you, what your experience is, anything you want to share with the theme of Hypericum Perforatum, our beautiful sink Jones Wort, St. John's Wort to many people. Mm. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so yeah. that same Facebook post on March 1st will take you right to the link where you can post your, your Hypericum short. So in addition to it being at the Wise Woman School on the Hypericum registration page, it's also on the Facebook post on March 1st and several of the e-zines um, since March. Or both of them, I think. Okay. <laughs> brings me such joy to um, create the space for these conferences and for people to come together and to share their direct experience with the herb. It's so interesting to be reading people's accounts of Hypericum because Hypericum is a plant with a worldwide distribution. So it was known to the ancient Greeks and probably even the Egyptians. And so we have a, a lot of old mentions of it. And then we have uh, Paracelsus. And Paracelsus, who had a particular take on health and healing and medicine and Hypericum, um, actually held sway for about 1,400 years. Mm. And his take on it was um, it was really good 
for deep bloody wounds. And this, of course, is by the doctrine of signatures, which is somewhat intertwined with astrological herbalism, uh, much to, you know, um, the confusion of a great many people. The idea of the doctrine of signatures, the idea of astrology, and the idea of how to use herbs got put together. And they make pretty stories, but I'm not sure that they're of particular use to us. So when we look up into the sky, we can believe that the stars are arranged in the shape of something that if someone draws it or points it out to you, you might consider a lion, and we call that Leo. And so to say that Hypericum is under the sign of Leo is to really say what? It's to say that I'm now going to tuck it into this other story I have about what a Leo is and what a lion is and how that is going to relate to this herb. But this, to me, is indirect. It's not direct experience. Right. Right? It's very different from sitting in the sun with this plant and saying, wow, okay, this plant has a lot to do with heat. Mm-hmm. Right, right. The other stuff is way more, I don't know if anecdotal is the right word, but it's not, it's not an experience. It's like, oh, I could see that similarity because it's bright yellow and a lion's mane is, you know, big and bright in cartoons. <laughs> but yeah, totally different than experience and being right. with certainly when we're relating our experience it's a story but it's different than a story that has layers of you have to believe this then you have to believe this thing first you have to believe that those stars somehow relate to a lion mm-hmm. it's not like anybody would look up there and go gee wow those stars are really in the shape of a lion right right Right. Right. No, Even you really have pointed out to you because it's like kind of obscure and it's like, well, that one's the tip of the tail and then that one's the nose. And it's like, oh, yeah, right. Um, right. So already we're asked to like believe those stars have something to do with a lion and it tr- truly has nothing to do that with that. And then we have to believe that there's these qualities that have to do with the lion, which may or may not be true, like you're saying, sunniness and brightness in summer. Well, yeah, they live in Africa, but there are other aspects of their lives besides the sun. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like um, they at night, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, when I saw that there was some, you know, active kind of movement to to have a renaissance of astrological herbalism, I said, oh, my goodness, it's going to set us back a thousand years. And then I checked it out. No, it will really only set us back 600 years. (laughs) Because 
that came in as Paracelsus kind of went out, right? Paracelsus for 1,400 years and then 600 years since then. So I'm really appreciating the incredible research that has been done into Hypericum and valuing it more as one of the ways that my immune system keeps really healthy. It mm. turns out that Hypericum has a very strong ability to keep viruses from getting into the cell. That double lipid layer that our cell membranes have, Hypericum can mimic that in a way and get the and kind of decoy the viral particle. Mm. If the cell's already infected with the virus, the uh, hypericum can actually go into the cell and mess with uh, transcriptase so that the virus can't replicate. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I've definitely been using it as a go-to for any time I feel like something's coming my way. My throat feels a little off or the muscles feel achy in an unusual way. And I, I, my experience tells me, but to know those details is fascinating. So lots more to come, obviously, with that. Yes, lots more to come. So anything... Uh... New, interesting at your homestead? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm amazed how fast the year is going. Um, I was just counting on the calendar, and we're technically six to eight weeks before our last frost, which they say is 50-50 for May 1st. So I'm like, wow, I have seed packets that say now is the time. Because the onions yeah, the that time. I so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm blown yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, and if you're a little late, it's okay because a better, a stockier, shorter plant than a, one that was planted too soon and got leggy. Yes, definitely agree. I just have promised myself I'm not going to be as late as I was last year. Which right, was... right, right. But who knows if you're <laughs> at that late. Maybe the frost will be that late. You know, it's one of the great things about gardening is you can just never second guess yourself. What you learned last year, well, that was good, but this year might be different. Oh, for sure. That's yeah, it's part of the game, right? right? Uh, <laughs> do we have anybody with questions tonight? We do have two hands that are raised, and I see you in the queue, and I'll let everyone else listening know that if you have a question this evening, please press 1, and your hand will go up, and you will be um, called on when it is your turn. And the first caller has dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, Sarah Ellen. Hello. Um, hi. Uh, I was wondering if either of you ladies could answer this question. I tried 
several times to sign up for the conference. And I can't remember what happened uh, in the very early tries, but the last one said my email was already <clears throat> in use. And well, I, I think just, I think you are already registered. Uh, uh, Can you? There is already okay. a, the the, the conf, I'm sorry. The Hypericum conference is already there. So if I wanted to check to see if I was registered, just go um, to the link, password. Yes. And hopefully it'll come up. Yeah. All right. If it doesn't, I guess I could try Plan B, which is just to create a new a new uh, email, another there email. There, that's also a possibility. But I strongly suspect that, in fact, your first uh, attempt was was good, and that you got registered, but that it's just so um, accommodating that it seems like it didn't happen. <laughs> that that may that may uh, that may have happened i also am having um some high level disturbances with accessing service for the past couple of months i, I don't know what it has to do with and um oh, because i don't have internet anywhere but on my phone I can't even troubleshoot the phone without another phone or going to a Wi-Fi area and I keep forgetting to do that when I do leave the house which is seldom I hear you on that okay well I love the conference and a weather stay home well, it's the foot thing that, you know, I just broke it again a couple of weeks ago, and right. I was meditating on, um, I went back and listened to last week's um, blog talk, and I was really surprised how out of my mind I I felt while I was talking to you, and then when I listened to it, it wasn't so bad, and I, I think I just get very afraid to talk about what's bothering me it scares yes. me to, to to say it out loud yes yes it feels like the world is crushing me when i have to declare some kind of weakness in my body and it's scary it is scary so i i I heard and one of my wisest teachers taught me that the sensation of being frightened is the same as the sensation of being excited. Well, yeah. And that, right? Like your heart beats fast and your palms are yeah. a little sweaty and your breathing's a little shallow. Right? Are you excited? Are you frightened? <clears throat> you get to choose. And it really, you know, there were times when I'd say, oh, I'm really frightened. And then I'd hear my teacher's voice going, you get to choose. And i go, okay, I'm really excited. And there's another aspect to being frightened, which is truly amazing. Um, you've heard people say, don't show fear in front of 
uh, dogs or, you know, wild animals that might, might uh, you know, present some potential harm. And I always wondered why that was. And according to my research, animals can't detect the difference between fear and aggression. So if you're afraid, they get afraid. And then because of, you know, because of that fear, they feel they have to themselves. And I think that happens to me when I get in that I'm afraid kind of thing. I, I feel very aggressive. Like, like I can't even tell the difference of what I am feeling, if it's fear mm-hmm. or aggression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just petrified of what might come down the road for me. And I meditated on the conversation and when you said, you know, what could possibly be causing this, the first, very first thing I thought of when it, when this happened, and even before it happened, was that I might have an infection in my bone. Interesting that you say that. I worked with a student many years ago who did have exactly that. It was an infection in her bone. And I kind of caught on to it because she kept asking about ointments. And I finally said, is this, you know, for a bunch of different things or for one particular thing? And it turned out it was this one infection in her foot that wouldn't go away, and it was indeed an infection in the bone. And it eats it up. Well, it was actually... Actually, for her, it was a very fascinating story because she had been born with uh, spina bifida, which means the skin over your spine doesn't close and it causes some problems. And she was really angry about that. And Mm -hmm. so we did some work together to see what her body wanted to say to her. And her body said, "Um, you're trying to divorce me. And she was because she really um, felt like her lower body had betrayed her. And when she was able to make a pact with it, the infection started to heal. Mm. Now, at that point, there wasn't really flesh-eating bacteria around, so we didn't have to have that in mind. It was a infection, a deep infection, and it needed to be treated without a doubt. But infections like that can be very resistant to treatment, and this is why we chose to do the uh, symbolic work or the psychic work, the somatic work, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I've been practicing that all week, and Good it's been you. pretty um, relaxing. Ah. Good. I, it's been it's been a f- very fun um, way to spend my time, uh, rather than dwelling on the problem 
uh, engaging with the healing of the problem. Yeah. So what had you happened? Might as, you might as well throw a party. You're the only one living in your brain. Yeah, that really gets to me when you say that because uh, I've always been so strong about keeping my mind well uh, with with my with good thoughts with with ha- you know positive thoughts uh, and um, I just find myself lately wanting to do just the opposite and it just causes misery for me and it's just makes me more afraid so but one thing that had happened with my foot right before all this uh breaking of the bones and the bone marrow leaking out was i noticed there was this little I thought it was like a little scab between the big toe and the second toe, like uh, on the top of the foot. And it just never like dried up and fell off. So finally I said, well, maybe it's like one of those deer ticks embedded in me. And I got out, out a sharp object and I got it off. I looked under the micro, uh, uh, the, magnifier and it just looked like a scab but then there was this big red rash around it for the whole entire year and then on September 1st 2021 I was just walking and I wasn't really looking where I was going and I wasn't wearing proper footwear and I stepped on my garden hose, which was just enough to cause the foot to wobble. And it just went crunch one way and crunch the other way, like the sound of a big dog chewing a bone. Oh, ouch. And I, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, oh. Yeah, uh, uh, ouch is right. Um, took the doctor at, at HSS uh, several weeks with a team of doctors to figure out what what it was and they said it's so rare for this to happen and that it usually resolves itself. <laughs> but the <laughs> last x-ray I, I had, which was up here, not down there, so I'm not even going to pay attention to that seriously, but he said in all of his 33 years of practice, he had never seen a bone more disintegrated than mine. And it really made me feel so helpless. And yes. I, and I, I just yes, said, well, not, I, it's not good to be best at the worst. No, it's not. It seems to be my running theme lately. Right. <laughs> Golly. Well, there goes another piece of my ego out the door that I don't need. <laughs> when I eventually get to see the specialist um, at HSS that I did see. And um, she's young and uh, very new um, and uh, like a whiz kid uh, at, at her, in her field of reconstruction. And 
and I was looking at other uh, people that had to have reconstruction, and they said it that you know it, they found out that they had an infection that was eating up the bone. So I thought, oh, well, maybe you know maybe that's what would happen. But we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. I just yeah. need to try to uh, be more um, body. I think I have a tendency to be one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like totally mindless or totally like outside of my body. Mm. Mm. If I thought that I had an infection, I would be taking echinacea. I I made some again and the same thing happened that happened last year, but this time I didn't throw it out because you you had um said that the uh white fuzzy looking it's not really fuzzy but it's kind of, it's white whitish grayish like i thought it was mold but it it's inulin correct it's starch very powerful stuff yes very powerful stuff so i'm so glad that you have it and that you didn't throw it out so well this i is threw a, out this the first batch but i still had some root left that i had bought and i didn't realize what i was making from my garden was the purpurea and that's only for aerial parts so i bought the augustifolia and you can, use, all my the roots, uh, you can use the roots of the uh, of the purpurea after the three years old and f- make a tincture from the fresh roots well it's just not as strong as the augustifolia in my opinion well i agree with you most people agree with you, but the vast majority of echinacea on the market is purpurea. I don't really so, buy stuff anymore. Yeah, I know, so well. I know you don't. <laughs> so what I'm saying is if you have it and you can make a tincture from the fresh root, it's perfectly acceptable. And probably the tincture of the fresh purpurea root is as good as tincture of the dried Augustifolia root, but you're going to grow Augustifolia. Good for you. It's a really pretty Echinacea. I always have it growing. The deer have wiped me out in the past oh, uh, decade you, or so. Edward, <laughs> Edward, deer. The flower petals, instead of sticking straight out, kind of swirl around like the flowers are dancing and twirling their skirts. It's the very first herb I ever used medicinally. Wow. And I used it. I used it for um, my baby had an infection, a very high fever. My mother was threatening to have him hospitalized. We didn't live together, but um, I would see her every day. And I said, um, just give me one more day. And I called my chiropractor and told her what I was up against. And she said, go get Go get the tincture, and you take it and breastfeed the child. And within 24 hours, what appeared to be a whooping cough was down to just like a little, <clears throat> you know, and no more fever. Yay! And that was 37 years ago, and I had um, had your book, Childbearing Year, uh, right before I delivered, I, I think in, in 1986, your book was out already, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then after that, I got your healing herb, uh, Wise Woman Way. 
uh, book. And um, I wish I wish I had them all. <laughs> I often lend things out to people, and they just kind of, you know, get lent down the road, down the road, like a domino effect. It's so, so I don't, true. I don't people it. often <clears throat> tell me that they have to have two copies of each of my books, one to have <laughs> in their library and one to lend out. Speaking of books, I've been sitting here with Creature Teachers, uh, Grandmother Twyla's uh, last book. Yeah. And I just... I just have to figure out uh, how to get it down to you. I'm, I might have somebody try to pop it in the mail. Um, it's just you box sixty four in Woodstock. Just, it's an easy yeah. address to remember. Oh, I I remember everything from my uh, classical <laughs> piano music training. When you don't have good eyes, you have to memorize everything. There you go. So I've always been like that. Memor, memor- I haven't. My mother used to say, I have the memory like an elephant. Speaking of elephants, they found out that they have like 10 sets of the gene that, um, that or, you know, the DNA, uh, what is that? That's a gene, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, 10 times, 10, 10 sets of the gene responsible for cancer and that they never get cancer and that they think this might be something that they can use in the future to help people that might have some kind of genetic um, malfunction, so to speak. Yes, right now if a woman tests positive for uh, particular gene for breast and ovarian cancer, it's recommended that her breasts and ovaries be removed because her risk of cancer is so high. Right. Well, now they can just slice that gene out and put in the modified good working one and boom, problem fixed. That that seems a little Frankenstein-ish, but hey, you know. Well, of course, that's with everything. It's not really just Click problem fixed, but that's okay. It's nice, mm. nice that we're able to imagine that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> we um, know it, it's far more complicated than that. Yeah, <clears throat> like the same thing with um, the present immune therapies against cancer. It sounds so simple. We're going to take, you know, some of your cancer cells and teach your immune system how to recognize that and inject that back into you. But it's really not simple. And it's kind of excruciating, and it doesn't work, and it causes a lot of side effects. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can imagine it would. So I am all for our reaching out and our envisioning and uh, all the amazing things that we can do. And uh, I also know that simple answers are often the answers that when all is said and done, we come back to. Noxum's razor. <laughs> Noxum's <laughs> razor? I think uh, Oxum. Uh, Oxum. Oh, oh, razor. oh, 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 Oakum's razor. Oakum. Got it. Oakum's razor. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Sim- simplest 
answer is more it's likely usually, true. Yeah. Usually. Well, that's an, an important thing. I'm, I need to remember this about my foot now and stop getting myself all worked up and overload it with stress because that's not going to help. It's not going to help. You're absolutely right. No. It's just not going to help at all. And no matter how many times we go over it, we can't change the past. Yeah. We can't. It's done. It's happened. Yeah. And our energy is much better used in the present. And if something in the past has caused chaos, mayhem, or disaster, it's especially important that we have our energy available for the present. Well, you're a master at that. Thank you so much. When you're a master, you have mastery, but when you're a mistress, you have mystery. Aww. How wonderful. I'll, I will make sure I remember that on a daily basis. All right. Mystery. Mystery. Yeah. Be the mistress of things and have the mystery. That's a beautiful thought. Thank you. Well, I'll let you get on to your other callers. And <laughs> Thanks for your thank call. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. All right, and um, before we move on, I'll just make a suggestion to everyone listening who is not sure if they've enrolled or not. You can do a quick search of your own email account. Just type in wise space woman space enrolled, and it will come up if you've enrolled in the course, your introduction, and you can follow a link from there right into the course. Wise woman enrolled. Do that search in your own inbox. If it's not there, sign up for the course. And with that, there are seven hands raised. The next call has dialed in from the 301 area. From the 301, you are live with Susan. Hello. So come back to them. And try the caller from the 614 area code from the 614. You are live with Susan. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, very well. Thank you. Let's have Okay. Uh, my name is Teresa, and I have a question about um, hot flashes. I'm All 70. Right. I'm 70 years old, and... Uh, I've been on estradiol hormone patch since 2000, and I'm really concerned about being on it that length of time. But when I try to get off of it, the, the hot flashes, you know, they, they, they're they still there. And I was wondering, what well, can I take? You know, estrogen, estradiol, the patch doesn't leapfrog you over menopause, it stops it from happening. And then when you stop using the hormone, you have to go through menopause. And now you're older and less resilient. There was one woman said to me, well, darn, you know, then I got breast cancer from taking the estrogen, and I had to stop taking it, and I had breast cancer and hot flashes. Oh, dear. Well, so, my my so it, I my really I really hear you, 
and I hear that it's disturbing to you. And what I can say is you will get through it. If what you want to do is to stop using the estradiol patch, then my suggestion is to spend a little time before you do that really reading through the part of New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, that talks about phytoestrogenic herbs, phytosterols. They're hormone-like compounds found in lots of different herbs. And by using them wisely, both the ones that can be used as foodstuffs on a daily basis and those that have a shall we say, more specific or stronger action that are often used as tinctures or remedies, um, Mm -hmm. you will find that you can be very healthy and active and happy without taking prescribed hormones. I'm 77. I don't take any hormones of any kind. Okay, okay. Well, that's but I do drink. I do drink a quart. I do drink a quart of nourishing herbal infusion every day, and I do take some herbal tinctures. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. So, as, as you get started in this, if you haven't been drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, you can go to YouTube or buy any of my books and find out more about the nourishing herbal infusions. But I especially remember one woman who came to a menopause workshop, and she said that when she got to menopause, that down there became very dry, and that her mm. libido went off on vacation. Mm. And she was really considering, you know, using prescribed hormones because of that. And then she read New Menopausal Years, and she read about oat straw, which is one of the nourishing herbal infusions. And she started working with oat straw, and she said, really, much sooner than she would have thought, her libido came home with company. And down there, which had been dry as a desert, turned into an oasis. With date palms oh and dancing girls. <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> yes, right. And it's not just—it's not just me. Tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of women can also say yes. You know, drink your nourishing herbal infusions, and okay. you may have to—you know. Spend some time going through the roller coaster of vasomotor disturbances, popularly known as hot flashes. You know, mm-hmm. you, I'm sure you had a few hard moments during puberty too, right? Um, no, not really. No, there were no hard moments during puberty. No. Oh, I am so thankful that you had such an easy time of it. Blessed be. Ah. Oh. Perhaps your menopause will be quite easy to, except for a few hot flashes. Okay. Okay. All right. Why, thank you so very much, and I was excited to get to speak with you. Well, great. 
What I would really like is if you could call back in about a month and kind of check in with us and let us know how it's going, if you've managed to get rid of the patch, and if you're drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, and we'll talk further if you want to. Okay, thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. You're welcome. Great blessings. Good night. Bye-bye. All right, and um, there are six callers who have raised their hand to the question. Our next caller is dialed in from the 717 area code. From the 717, you are live with Susan. Oh, what? Nope, that's where we just were. The 778, I'm sorry. From the 778, you are live with Susan. Yeah. Hi, Susan. Hi. Uh, it's Serena calling. I called you before. Um, last time I called you was about my hand, um, which is doing a lot better. I've really taken a break um, from juggling. Um in like the physical way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it seems that that metaphor is, is helping me in other ways. Um, yeah. uh, on Sunday, I, um, I was out uh, doing like a photo shoot with my sister and our friend um, by a river. And um, uh, I, one point I was barefoot and I think I may have like gotten bit by a tick but at the time I didn't realize it I thought I just like like um overstretched my toe or something um but so I didn't check it until like later on and I was noticing it was like quite sore so I was putting and, some hypericum oil on it uh, and um, where were you um I was like kind of up on these rocks like uh Texas, Inland Valley, Texas, Alaska, Hawaii, New York. Oh, sorry, I'm uh, British Columbia, Vancouver. Okay. Pacific right. Northwest, yeah. Right. So, by so river, I, there oh, was what like kind of ticks you might have encountered. Right. Most, there was otter like most, around. Most places, ticks inject an anesthetic before they suck your blood, so that you don't feel them. The fact that you felt soreness pretty much says that it wasn't a tick. Interesting. Okay. I have trained my body to react to that compound that they inject that numbs the area by itching. I trained myself to have a mild allergic reaction to it so that I know instantly Mm -hmm. if a tick is trying to suck my blood. Mm. Um, but in any case, only in the Rocky Mountains are there kinds of ticks that can pass disease to you that might get on you, bite you, and fall off within a short period of time. In all other cases, the tick is attached to you for days. Okay. So on several counts, I do not think this is a tick bite. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was some other bite. Like there was a mark, swollen and painful. Um, Sounds like a rock then, or a bee. Oh, interesting. Yeah, maybe it got stung. 
That's, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, that's, because that gets, makes it, sense. Because when you get stung, it, like it hurts, and it hurts right away, and it swells up, mm-hmm. and then it itches, 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 itches as it heals. Oh, right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, well, now, so that I can just, like, throw away the whole story that I was trying to make up and... <laughs> Like, now I have a sore throat. Like, is it related? Nope. Nope. Not at all. No, it's not. It was fine. You get stung by something. You know, the flying, stinging ones as they wake up um, are are a little ornery. They probably haven't had their coffee yet. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that, um, like, I'm looking at the, you know, foot reflexology and um, there was something else that happened that morning. Like my, I learned some things about my partner that um, didn't make me feel very good. And um, that area of the the foot is like the throat, nose. It goes like throat, nose, neck, cervical spine, thyroid, esophagus, solar plexus, diaphragm. Is that across all ten toes? No, it's just like down, down the big toe. From the top of the big toe to the bottom of the big toe? All those things in one big toe? Yeah. Wow. Well, actually, the pituitary is at the very top. But yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more all the way down the foot. So reflexology has a fairly solid scientific basis, but associating an injury to a part of the body with some other part of the body has no scientific basis at all. It's one of those things like astrology, which is a series of mental constructs. Hmm. So if you were to say, I would like to have some energetic influence on the thyroid, and to that end, I'm going to do something to, where did you say it was at the end of the big toe? Uh, Oh, well, the very end of the big toe, it says pituitary. Pituitary. So if we said, okay, I'm going to take the very end of my big toe, and I'm going to press it into the door jam here. Ouch, that hurts a little bit. Whoa, (laughs) that's sharp, you know. So I do know that that indeed is having some influence on my pituitary. However, were I to clumsily stumble and smack the front of my big toe, that would have nothing to do with my pituitary. Mm-hmm. Do you understand yeah. the difference that I'm making? Yeah. It's like that stunning day when I walked into my first logic class at UCLA and on the back blackboard was written, if A equals B, B does not equal A. And it was like my whole world shifted. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. it's in some way like I'm trying to be responsible for someone else's actions that have hurt me and like 
hard enough to be responsible for our own words and actions without taking on responsibility for others' words and actions. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. All right. And it does actually look like the 717 is another caller, so we will go to you in the 717. You are live with Susan in the 717. Hello, Susan. Hi. <laughs> I just have some simple questions tonight. Um, okay. <laughs> I think they're simple. So yarrow is one of my um, go-to herbs for almost everything. And I just, just today, like an hour ago, I decanted some from June. And um, it's usually yellow, but this is green. So I'm wondering, like, how I should go about trying to use this. If it's not the color I'm used to it being. You know, I've noticed that the yarrow tincture has a real range of colors. In fact, sometimes it's really dark colored. Okay, like the dark brown? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. You can run all the way from that kind of light, you know, yellow-green to a really dark brown. And does it make a difference? Probably not. The darker colors are tannins. Okay. Okay. So... What we would say is that the yarrow that year, that season, that day had less tannins. It could be where it's growing. It could have been a lot of rainfall. It could have been any number of small variances that then become visible and that in a very real way become the art of the herbalist who lives in one place. Nice. So my chartreuse should be, I should be able to try it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You can't do it wrong. Yeah, I used the hundred proof vodka in the same I went to the same yeah, spot. Can't so I in <laughs> in fact I have like I feel so successful in restoring herbal medicine as people's medicine. Not like I'm you know, like abandoning it, but I feel very successful there. So I didn't need, you know, something new to engage myself. And so I want to dedicate the rest of my life to reminding us all that you can't do it wrong. Make mistakes, right? Try it out. Say, oh, my goodness, look at this. It's a different color. All right. And proceed. Proceed. This is, this is how we make astonishing discoveries. It's by okay. being willing to dance with the variances of life. Uh, oh, I love that. That's great. One, one more herb. <laughs> What I'm worried about is my, uh, I have some elderberry plants in my yard, and I've been making elderberry flower vinegar, and I, like, I made oxymil out of it, and I drank it, like, you know, uh, maybe a whole quart, like, over time, of course, 
But then recently I heard that you shouldn't use undried, like you shouldn't use fresh outer flowers in a uh, in a recipe. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the reason was, it was just made me nervous. I know. It's so easy to be made nervous when we haven't grown up with these things. So yeah. let's see. <laughs> I've been making elderflower champagne from fresh elder blossoms for, I don't know, maybe 25 years, maybe 30 years, maybe 35 years. And it's been a pretty consistent part of my diet. What should I be looking out for? Oh, I don't know. I can't, can't remember. What, what kind of damage said. am I supposed to have done to myself by consuming a beverage made from fresh elderflowers? Okay, thank you. I'm at peace. Welcome. I can go to sleep. All right. <laughs> thank you for your time. If you let me know, time. you know, if you let me know what I've done, it's like the interview that I did today, and this woman said, "Comfrey leaf infusion, comfrey, comfrey damages and destroys your liver." And I said, "Well, I don't think so." I said, and I'm giving everybody who listens to this interview half off on the Comfrey Conference so you can go and hear a lot of other people's opinion who think that it doesn't either. I said, but let's just even think it through. I've been drinking a quart of Comfrey infusion every five days for close to 30 years. So five days divided into 30 days is six quarts a month times 12 months is 72 quarts which is just shy of 20 gallons a year, about 600 gallons over the course of the past 30 years. And believe me, they aren't doing surgery to resect anybody's cancer if your liver isn't up to it. So my liver has been thoroughly examined by the medical community and found strong and healthy. So we, I think we can safely say that drinking comfrey leaf infusion doesn't hurt your liver. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. You are welcome. And by being specific, by by knowing, oh, it's supposed to damage your liver, then we can say, okay, and that's been tested, and we can see this. So find out what elderflower is supposed to do. I'm not sure they can actually come up with anything. Okay. All right. right. Thank you. Green blessings. Thanks for your questions. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, and there are four callers that have pressed one to signal they have a question. Our next caller has dialed in from the 937 area code. From the 937, you are live with Susan. Hello, on the 937. Oh, we're getting the same interesting background noise. We're trying to figure out what could be making that noise. Is it a large dog eating its dinner? Is it a, is it a small fairy drawing water from a well? Is it, it's, it's a very slurpy sound, isn't it? It is. Do you I, hear it? I don't know. What, I do. I do. I, and I don't know what to make of it. I have large dogs, but they're not eating dinner or making noise. But that something <laughs> on that line is... <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, Caller with the raised hand is from the 845 area code. Uh, from the 845, you are live with Susan. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Hi. Um, I have um, an issue. 
that has been going, like, I think it spans a couple different episodes. Um, at the end of the summer, like towards July, I ended up in the ER with really severe abdominal pain on my left-hand side. And they did a lot of testing, like a CAT scan and an ultrasound, and they came back with that uh, they thought I had a hemorrhagic cyst and slight tubal thickening on the left side. So they um, sent me home with some doxycycline, and they gave me some intravenous um, antibiotics. And I went home, and I continued to enjoy my herbal infusions, and I felt pretty good like a week later, I would say. And I had a follow-up ultrasound in December, and that was clear. And they said there was no signs of any cysts, and there was nothing up with the tubes. And then I started to have pain again in February. So this, you know, just pretty recently. And I went in and um, I had a pelvic exam and she said that she couldn't feel anything, but she ordered an ultrasound. And I had the ultrasound done like March 1st. And last Tuesday, so this is like, the, I don't know, 6th or 7th, I had severe abdominal pain on the left-hand side again. And I mean, it was worse than the first time, like really took me to my knees. But since everyone told me like, oh, don't worry about like when I was in the hospital and when I had to follow up with the doctor after, don't worry about the cyst. If you can handle the pain, it'll pass and then, you know, you'll, you'll be okay. So the next morning I got the results from the ultrasound I had on March 1st and they said that they had found a this like structure in my left fallopian tube or it was like outside of the ovary. It was like the fallopian tube itself had a cyst in it and the dimensions were like 5.8 centimeters by 4.5 by 4.2. Yeah, like big. So then they said that it could also be a tubo ovarian abscess and they didn't know, but they were leaning towards um, a cyst uh, it was a hydrosalophinix and a hemosalophinix, so it had blood and pus in it and fluid. Yep. So then, I, you know, it took a couple days to get an appointment with a doctor to see, and um, I went into her, and she, she couldn't find the structure, you know, with a pelvic exam and said, it, you know, it could possibly be soft tissue and she's not able to palpate it. But I told her the night that I had bad pain, I mean, I could feel it quite clearly. It felt like a hard lump, and I thought it was a um, a muscle or something in there. And, um, well, anyway, she prescribed some doxycycline and some metronidazole. And I can't take metronidazole. So I took the doxycycline, and it's only been like a day, and I feel so much better. And um, anyway, so all of this is happening. And what I think might be clinically significant is before all this happened, like this, this pattern or whatever is going on, I got Lyme disease like 60 days before the first episode. And I don't know if it's all related. I don't know what else would cause, well, I do know what else would cause like a tube to block up. But I'm wondering if you've ever heard of, like, because I was reading Stephen Booner's Healing Lyme book, and he talked about how 
um, co-infections with chlamydia, it can affect your tubes. And um, yeah, I was just wondering what your opinion it was on it all. Months, if not years, for chlamydia to make its way up to your tubes. Okay. It's true that it can happen, but it takes a long time. Okay. Um, have you heard about chickweed tincture? Yeah, it's funny. I just started taking it like um, a couple months ago because I was just attracted to it. And then someone told me recently that it was good for cysts, and I was like, well, that's great. Like I was attracted to it, so I'm definitely Yes, it's that. very effective for dissolving all kinds of masses in the fallopian tubes and the ovaries. Okay. It's really specific for that. I can tell you story after story of women who have gotten rid of a woman who got rid of a dermoid cyst from her ovary, which means it has teeth and nails and hair in it. Right. Right? A woman who had a really big cyst in her ovary. And after using it, the doctor allowed her to use it for six weeks and then went back and they did another ultrasound. It was still there. And the doctor said, see, it hasn't worked. And she said, you know, I really feel that it is working. Give me another month. And then they did another ultrasound. It was completely gone. And the doctor said, well, it must have had a hard shell and it just collapsed. Huh. So, yeah, lots of women in lots of situations have praised consistent daily use of fairly large quantities of chickweed tincture. So when you say fairly large... A dropper full or two up to three times a day. Oh, okay. Okay. Good luck. Call back and let us know what happens. I can tell. It feels like a science experiment. Good. Thank you. All right. Great. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Great blessings. Good night. All right. And there are three callers that have pressed one with a question. Our next caller dialed in from the 908 area code. From the 908, you are live with Susan. Oh, Susan, um, can you hear me? It's Carol. Hi, Carol. How are you tonight? Hi. Oh, just splendid to hear your voice, and Sarah Ellen. Um, and when, last week when you spoke about the amaryllis, uh, <clears throat> you said you had <clears throat> some large ones. I was just wondering if you um, could share where you purchased them from because they sounded like such high quality. Say are. And it's a big bomb supplier, and I believe that the name is uh, Shepler's or Settler's something like that. Ah, here's the catalog. All right, oh. there's two places. One sells large quantities of bulbs, and one sells smaller quantities of bulbs. One is S 
C-H-E-E-P-E-R-S, Sheepers. And the other one is Van Engelen, E-N-G-E-L-E-N. And that's um, www.vanenglen.com or www.johnsheepers.com. And they do have a superior quality. And the only problem that you're going to have is the enormous variety that they offer. <laughs> I mean, you just want, wow. you want to get it all. There's one, two, three, four, five. There's about a dozen varieties per page. And let's start with the tulips. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Ah, that's it. 27 pages with a dozen different tulips on each page. Oh, wow. Right. As I said, you will be overcome with the with the choices. They're beautiful catalogs and just fun to spend time with. And yeah. um if you don't if you don't already have snowdrops growing where you are, they're one of my favorite bulbs to plant. They're really hardy perennials, and they're the first of the bulbs to flower. In most places, the snowdrops are already flowering, and they come oh, right up. You, they do come right up through the snow, so it's a, a wise first investment. Oh, thank you, Susan. That's a whole beautiful topic. Thank you. And, You're so um, welcome. Oh, I think I'm having a lot of um, issue with the the light and the cloudy days. We seem to be having like uh, just a, 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 an enormous amount of cloudy days, and I, I'm missing the sun. And it's, it's a seasonal effect disorder. And it um, so, what would you recommend? And is it in one of your books? Hypericum tincture is the specific against yes. seasonal affective disorder. On many levels. First of all, it really is sunshine in a bottle. And so when we're taking Hypericum tincture, we take that sunshine and that joy into us. But it literally deals with the neurotransmitters of a huge number of brain chemicals, including serotonin, GABA, things that really have strong influence on how we're feeling. So hypericum tincture, and it there are several components of hypericum tincture that work more strongly if you're exposed to sunlight. So if at all possible, and even sunlight through clouds counts, if at all possible, oh. go outside to take your hypericum tincture. Oh, wonderful. Great advice. And about uh, the dosage, would you say, Susan? 
depending on how blue you feel, mm-hmm. anywhere from a dropperful in the morning to two dropperfuls three times a day, and anything in between that is just fine. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome, Carol. Great blessings. Good night. Great blessings. Love you so much. Love you too. All right. And we have three callers with their hands raised, uh, including that other 937 number. We'll hold off and go to the 646 area code. The next caller is from the 646. You are live with Susan. Hi, greetings. Um, Hi. So cool to be on in real time with you, Susan. I listen to you, to the playback so often, and just want to express gratitude for you. Um, Want to ask about tonight's hemorrhoids. I have been experiencing hemorrhoids on and off for the last two and a half years, kind of coming in with the pandemic uh, and the shift in my lifestyle that happened then. And I, yeah, I can share with you some of the things I have done or, yeah, I'm just looking for some guidance. Do let me know what you've done and what has and hasn't worked. Cool. I have gone on a number of eating protocols. I've worked with a Chinese medicine uh, acupuncturist. So, you know, eliminating damp kind of foods, uh, you know, eliminating a lot of sugar from my eating, so really trying to keep things clean and whole food, not a lot of processed food or zero processed food. I've done um, extended amount of times, really strict, and not much results from there. Worked also with, I will say... So when you say really strict, I need to kind of like know, because I've been around some really strict people who were really like out of their minds, like my brother-in-law who was so macrobiotic he wouldn't cook his rice. Yeah, I was doing um, very close to like a candida diet, so no grains, no dairy, um, no sugar, um, so mostly lean meats and lots of vegetables and fruits. And what was the result? Mm, not much of any results. I can't imagine it would be. <laughs> You've just removed all the things that make your colon healthy. Uh, well, I'm not doing that now, but um, <laughs> this is just you know, this I've just never known food for phobias to work. Yeah, well, I definitely. You have just any- wipe out huge categories of food from the human diet. It's almost impossible to make a healthy person. Sometimes in the very short run, it might be necessary. You know, they took my guts out, put them on the table next to me, cut into them, did all kinds of things to me, and then shoved them back into my body. I got out of there able to just barely eat plain mashed potatoes with no skins. And I've been able to build it back and build my gut back up to be able to eat just about anything by not having food for, for, you know, any foibles about food. All whole foods, which you're calling unprocessed, and what you mean is not ultra-processed. Obviously, we're going to take our wheat and grind it into flour and ferment it and make sourdough bread. We are going to process it. Yeah. Right? We are going to cook our rice. We're not going to eat it unprocessed. 
but we're not going to ultra-process it. Yeah. Right. Generally, what we want are things that don't have ingredients, I think is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Some place it doesn't have ingredients. <laughs> right. Or if the ingredients it has are things like water, flour, salt, right? But okay, so long as you can pronounce them and know that they're actual mm-hmm. other foodstuffs. Right. So... Have you used any kind of sitz bath or astringent herbs? Yes, I have. Um, so I did notice with yarrow, actually I just heard the caller before, yarrow tea and um, yarrow sitz baths did seem to provide some relief, although not fully relief. Also worked with um, white oak and yeah. calendula. Um, the yeah, neither of them have provided much relief. Be- yeah. The white oak bark brew that you soaked in, was it black? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, so the astringency of these herbs is helping a little, but not really enough for yeah. you. Yeah. So I'm envisioning you mm. with your legs up on a couch. Mm. Any way that you can get gravity to help you. Mm. Right? The astringency can only go so far. Uh huh. Okay. So, almost so we like- want to get gravity in on this. Too. So if you can find, you know, like a happy way to prop your bottom up and like hang out and read for half an hour. While or play on your iPad or whatever you want to do. Uh-huh. Answer email. Watch all those ads for the game you've been wanting to play. Whatever you want to do at that time, but, um, I think that I think that that will help. Are you drinking your nourishing herbal infusions at this point? I am. I will tell you though that I mostly work with nettle as an. Uh, I, I drink primarily nettle. All right. Um, I would really like to see you get comfrey. Okay. Really regularly, and of, of course. course Linden is such a powerful anti-inflammatory. Okay. Okay. So if you could expand beyond nettle and include comfrey and linden as well. And the healing mucilage in both comfrey and linden is more soluble in cold water. So we make the regular infusion with either the comfrey or the linden and then preserving the wet plant material after we've strained the infusion off. We put that in a pan with a couple of cups of cold water, bring it to a boil, turn off the fire and let it sit for two to four hours. And that second brew you'll see is very slippery. Okay. And that will have a really powerful effect on helping those tissues to tighten, but more importantly, 
to regain their tone. You know that what's happened is it's kind of like a hose that's gotten a little bubble in it. Yeah. Right. So we we want to strengthen that area, not just the tannins are reducing what's happening, but we also need to get the comfrey and the linden in there to repair the damage and make tissue strong again. Okay. This is so helpful. Thank you. I just want to yeah. say one other thing was when I started talking to you and I was like, I was on a strict, you know, eating regimen. I thought it's also, there's something about having like a quote unquote tight ass and with myself. <laughs> You know, being so strict with myself that I could see perhaps is not not the remedy that's actually being invited into this. So when you said put your legs up, I thought, you know, I just thought metaphorically of what it means to put my legs up and be in the process rather than, okay, I'm going to try to control every single ingredient and be really strict and, you know, so I appreciate getting that insight while on this conversation with you. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. Beautiful. And I'll call back in a couple of weeks and let you know what, what happens. Thank you. Green blessings. <laughs> Green blessings. All right. And we have three callers that have pressed one with their question. The next caller has dialed in from the 401 area code. From the 401, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing all right. Um, I just got my son to bed and I when I called in um it was during the gal who had the question about the cyst um which I'm also calling about um mine is a ganglion well I I'm assuming it's a ganglion cyst by everything I've read about what they it's in my foot um and I have read and saw about the chickweed um but as far as making the tincture I don't have very much and it looks like on your site it's a 6 week long process is that correct? It is. Or, it um, is. Okay, so if although fresh chickweed should be available um, in many areas, if not right now, very soon. Yes. Okay. Um, and if there, you know, could you recommend um, any place I could buy a quality tincture in the meantime? But I would. Well, I would. Well, yes. Um, Catskill Mountain Herbals makes tinctures with fresh plants and 100-proof vodka. And Red Moon Herbs makes tincture with fresh plants and organic um, high-proof alcohol. Great. Okay. So those Um, are two, two really excellent places that you can get tinctures from. You could also... If you're going to make your own chickweed tincture and wait for it to be done, in the interim, use comfrey. Oh, I do have- there are actually several agents that help to dissolve cysts. Chickweed is very notable for its ability to dissolve cysts in soft tissue like ovaries and fallopian tubes. Okay. But comfrey might be better suited to what you're doing. Okay. Violet leaf is also considered to be an excellent cyst dissolver, and even red mm. clover has been used to dissolve cysts. 
all recommended to be fresh, made from fresh, because I do have dried comfrey and I do have red clover from my infusions, but it's dry. What I would, what I was about to say was use the plant material from your infusion as a poultice or a compress. Okay. I do have comfrey leaves that I threw in the freezer last summer. You could, I, you I, could try those, too. Okay. You can't do um, it wrong. Experiment. And leave that. I mean, how long would you say to leave it on and with each application? No, the thing about poultices is that I would love it if, like, one long poultice would do it. Um, <laughs> but really, it's a little better if you even just do a little bit now and a little bit then. Although, mm-hmm. personally, my tendency has always been when I have something, if I can just. If I can get everything together to do the compress or the poultice, I am probably just going to leave it on for like four hours. Okay. Because yeah, okay. It's such a bother and it's such a mess. And it's like, ugh. So it's like, okay. all right, I did it. Okay, we're leaving it on all day now. Does that count? Yeah. You know? <laughs> gotcha. And often it does. You know, okay. So, you know, repeated, short, repeated ones are really, really, really long, like hours and hours. Okay. All right, Great. and I, I my so teachers right. always said, just don't go to sleep with the heating pad on, because they would always <laughs> put a heating pad over the compress. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, and I, and so, I think the newer ones don't let you do that. I think the newer ones turn themselves off if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does, would the heat drive, I mean, help to just drive it in more? I, like, I have a hot water bottle I can lay what, on it, I guess? Yeah, that's certainly what, what yeah. the idea was, was the gotcha. Was, you know, sometimes they would heat up the plant material and put it on there warm, depending on, you know, what the, what the, if there was pain, they might be more likely to use heat. If there was swelling, they might be more likely to use room temperature cooler. Okay. Um, one thing I have noticed, and I don't know if you know much about it, but um, when my foot is flat, I don't feel, t- I feel a little bit of pain, but when I lay down, it's like waking me up at night when my foot is not flat on the bottom, I, you know, sitting on the couch, feet flat, it's not so bad. Laying down or, you know, sitting crisscross applesauce or trying to do yoga where my foot is not flat, that's when I, it almost makes like a burning sensation, like this fluid or something leaking or do you know what might be causing that weird burning sensation or is it part and parcel? I, okay, yeah. I don't part but, of the believe that it's <laughs> has something to do with loosening or tightening of the tendons and the ligaments in the small bones of the feet. And comfrey is really the helper there. All right. Comfrey to the rescue. I will get right on that now. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Dream blessings. Good night. Dream blessings. All right, and we've got about 28 minutes. Would you like to move on to the two hands that we have still raised? Yes, let's finish up with the hands and then talk about the Hypericum Conference. All right. Uh, The next hand we have is dialed in from the 512 area code. From the 512, you are live with Susan. Hi. 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 I have a little mini dash hound, and she had this kind of a mass come up between her butt and her crotch. 
and it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like two inches by two inches thick. And I took her to her vet who's been practicing over 40 years, and he said he had no clue what it was. So he gave her, he gave her medication, uh, antibiotics for a urinary tract. Well, that didn't do anything. And it's still there. And he felt inside of her, and he said it wasn't cancer, and he just didn't know what it was. And he's supposed to be a really uh, highly qualified vet. Well, he is highly qualified, but that doesn't mean he knows absolutely everything. And fortunately, as herbalist, we don't even have to know what it is. If you go back and listen to what I was just talking about, the herbs that help to resolve cysts also help to resolve masses that we don't know what to call. Okay. Especially since we've ruled out something bad that could kill your dog. We we don't need to have a name for it. Or you could name it. You could call it, you know, McGurgit, Gilbert, or whatever you want to call it. I know. I, I mean, everyone that's looked at it is just like, they don't have a clue. It's just really weird looking. It is. It is. So just give it a name and pick some herbs and get rid of it. You can do it. Well, I don't know what to give her, though. She's. Uh, you don't have to give it to her. You're going to be putting a poultice on the area. Oh, okay. Can As we... I said, I just finished answering this question. The caller before you. Oh, okay. All right. So you need to go back and listen to the blog and listen to the answer because I went into some detail about things that she could use. Okay. All right. Chickweed, comfrey, violets. All right, or some of the things that we talked about, and we talked about how to use them, and you put, you know, you can put them on warm, you can put them on cool. All right, with an animal, usually you're pretty much locked into um, just sitting with the animal and holding the compress on the area for as long as they're willing to sit there, right? Okay. All right, it's a pretty difficult area, I think, to like tape a bundle of herbs on. <laughs> Right, I know. Right? Right, there's yeah. a lot of grooming that goes on there. Mm -hmm. Right, so the dog would be likely to just push off the herbs. If you can sit with the dog in your lap and hold the herbs there on that area, fresh herbs or dried herbs. If you're making nourishing herbal infusions, the spent material from the infusion, all of that works really well. Okay. All right. Uh because the next step was a $1,000 MRI that I don't. Yeah. It's just, she's a wonderful dog. You love your dog, but you don't need to invest $1,000 in curiosity. Right. I agree. Buy you a new dog toy. <laughs> yes. It's a lot less than $1,000. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Keep her occupied while you're poulticing her butt. Oh, she's she's very docile. She'll sit in my lap till the cows come home. Oh, excellent! This, this is going to be easy. What fun! Thank you so so much. All righty, green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Good night. All right, and let's go back to the caller from the nine three seven. From the nine three seven area code, you are live with Susan from the nine three seven.
Ah, the fairy has pulled up the bucket. The dog is finished with its dinner. But still, we have no words. All right. Well, that's what that right. from the 937. Um, I do not mm-hmm. see any other hands that are raised. Green blessings, everybody. As I've been saying, I am just getting such a thrill and such joy from putting on these single herb conferences. It's really a culmination of a a lifetime of my teaching people to use simples, to use one herb at a time. And because of that, we now have all of these people who can speak to us and say, Comfrey acts like this. Hypericum acts like that. I'm going to keep on doing this because it just thrills me. I consider these conferences my gifts to everyone, but especially gifts to myself that I get to learn so much more about herbs that have been lifelong friends. So the Hypericum Conference has some areas that are set up and may be functioning already. The Hypericum Marketplace, the Hypericum uh, Kitchen, and, of course, the presenters page. And I spoke with each one of the presenters, and we did a short recording of the presenters talking about their presentations, which is right there at the presenters page. So you can hear their voices as well as see their pictures. Some of them uh, were quite fascinating, and we talked for a while, and we pulled some of those conversations out, and those are already posted there at the Hypericum conference so that you can hear um, me speaking with some of the presenters. And this afternoon, I got out all of the the sheets that the presenters um, sent in, and I put them uh, pretty much in the order that we're going to be hearing from them. And... Looks like Kathy Cavill is going to be one of the very first presenters. Mm-hmm. The healing lore of Hypericum. I have had quite an amazing journey. It has been that door for me that opened up new dimensions, the number one herb I turned to for first aid. I'll share a couple of profound healing stories, the history and the lore. It's the core herb for the age of Herb Day, celebrated right after summer solstice, harvested for body, mind, spirit, family, and community. This presentation gifts back all that Hypericum has given to me. I believe also on that first day that we are going to put up the videos that I made last summer with Gretchen Gould. And oh, we up to Gretchen at Herb Hill with Justine. And Justine videoed Gretchen and I talking about Hypericum and how she came to be at Herb Hill. And it was Hypericum that brought her there. And her talk on what happened will bring you to tears. Really love you, Gretchen. So amazing, her relationship with Hypericum. And let's see, do you have um, 
access to a Feather Jones um, description of her presentation? Let's see. Feather has three different presentations that she's going to be doing. Um, I do have access. It's just going to take me a moment here. Right, because uh-huh. I just had this one short thing, and I knew that she offered us the, this series of videos. I was so touched and moved that she put so much into this, and that she is actually covering three different, actually giving us three different presentations. Thank you, Phil. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, she is. Um, I'm still looking here. Okay. While you're looking, we will go on to a Day 2 Tuesday. May 2nd, and Susie Mazzoli is going to be presenting on Hypericum, a powerful homeopathic remedy. The homeopathic remedy Hypericum is well known for its influence on the nervous system, used for chronic pain, acute injuries, as well as for emotional and mental conditions. I will explore this special gem of a remedy that must be in everyone's first aid kit, examining when and how to use the special homeopathic potencies and understanding the different dosages and frequencies when we're using Hypericum. Susie Mazzoli, as you know, my family, homeopath and a dear friend. And Wednesday, we are going to get Linda Conroy's presentation, and her Zoom will be on Thursday morning. Linda Conroy is going to tell us about Hypericum from field to apothecary. Herbalist and forager Linda Conroy takes to the field and comes into the apothecary talking about the first herbs she foraged over 30 years ago, a plant near and dear to her heart. She's going to share both common and uncommon ways to apply this powerful herbal ally. The first part is filmed at Linda's favorite Hypericum harvesting spot where the plant grows harmoniously with milkweed on several acres of land. In the second part of the video, we're going to learn some of the ways that Hypericum can be prepared and applied, again, both common and uncommon uses. Oh, I love Linda Conroy. Mm. Have you found Feather? I have found the titles of her um, talk. She didn't actually submit a whole lot more information okay. to me than that. The first video will be called The Essence of Sunshine, Part 1. So that will be a 30-minute presentation. Then she has The Essence of Sunshine, Part 2, which is another 30-minute presentation. And then another two-part presentation on titled A Lineage of Wisdom. Wow. 
Wow. And her original presentation was Hypericum, a soothing tonic to the nervous, skin, digestive, and urinary systems. A complete monograph of St. John's work, including herstory, history, uses, constituents, properties, medicinal actions for each system, contraindications, indications, ethnobotany, spirited aspects, plant energetics, flower essences, case studies. Just wow. to give you an idea of what Feather is on about. She's an incredible herbalist who has been practicing for decades. I'm so honored that she's sharing her wisdom with a plant that she loves so much, Hypericum. Thank you, Feather. And actually, I do have more here from Feather. Oh, good. The essence of sunshine, everything that ends up affecting the body starts in the mind. Understand the role of neurotransmitters in depression and how St. John's wort helps to favorably alter the mood and perceptions. Uh, Coupled with good nutrition, lifestyle choices, and formulation strategies with other synchronizing botanicals, one can respond with a grounded yet uplifted view of life and be better able to cope with emotional and mental challenges. So that is the essence of sunshine. And then, yes, and then her second presentation is uh, the ethnobotany and current knowledge of St. John's Wort, a lineage of plant wisdom. Honoring plant wisdom passed down through the generations and the science that backs it all up. We have insights into the multifaceted use of St. John's wort. Feather will share the description, plant chemistry, and traditional and modern uses in clinical practice and home remedies, as well as best preparations and formulations that Feather has gathered over the years. Wow. A complete material of hypericum, she says. Again, decades of her wisdom distilled and shared with us. Thank you, Heather. Also on Wednesday, the 3rd of May, Zara Ackerwoman is back with her zany Zara herbalism. As you recall, last year at the Comfrey Conference, Zara was the one who stuck her face in the bowl of Comfrey and came up grinning with Comfrey all over her face. She is going to use multiple forms of visual storytelling, creating a fun and engaging presentation with stop-motion animation, puppetry, and costumes to explore story medicine with Hypericum. If you're on the Zara train, you are bound for fun. And do you have access to Kathleen Raven Wildwood's description? I believe that I do. Let's see. Uh, learn how you can use St. John's wort if there's too much sun on your side of the street or not enough sun in your soul to make it across the street. How can the sun shining through the leaves tell us of this plant's use and spirit healing properties? Kathleen will share tales based in her personal experience science, and herbal traditions. All right. Modern St. John's Wort Tales. Kathleen Raven Wildwood, a favored presenter at the Comfrey Conference last year, is back at the Hypericum Conference to do it again. 
and to share with us in her really remarkably engaging way and also stepping up from the shorts to presentership is Nicole Burns. You may remember Nicole from the Comfrey Conference. She is the woman in Spain who did all those dye projects with Comfrey. And she had various fibers and different mordants, and she showed us just all these beautiful things that she had done with using Comfrey as a dye. This year she applied to do a presentation at the Hypericum Conference. Hyperico has been blooming here in Andalusia, and I am harvesting, filming, dying, and imagining my presentation in next year's Hypericum festivities. I will create a video talking about how Hypericum is used here in Spain and all the different species around the country. I will show my dye experiments and the different colors that can be achieved using this plant. As the summer progresses, I will go up to the villages and the mountains to extend the blooming season and go to the library and check out what the Spanish herbalists have to say. I want to talk with different people about their traditional uses of Iberia de San Juan or Santo Jean. I have a biologist friend in Chile who is helping me find research about the plant, and she's going to guide me in my quest to share as much as possible with you. Nicole Burns, you are really going to enjoy your time with her. And again, thanks to the miracle of the Internet and Zoom that someone who lives in Spain can participate in a virtual conference and even be there for a live Zoom session. Woo! Life is good. How about um, Lucretia Jones or Julie Charette Nunn? You have information on either of them? I do. Let's see. Uh, Lucretia Jones will spend time with Hypericum throughout the season, breathing, listening, creating medicine. I just talked to Lucretia, and she said she has edited and done, you know, she said she's made it like a memory quilt mm. of the pieces so beautifully put together. I am so looking forward to her. And Lucretia also presented at the Comfrey Conference. And you remember we walked out into her very um, late winter, very, very early spring garden with her and then in her kitchen. So I very much look forward to her presentation this year because she has said, she said, now I've spent more time with it and I've learned to edit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Julie Charette Nunn also presented at the Comfrey Conference, and she is also a past apprentice, as is Lucretia and some of the other presenters. And Julie is going to tell us how Hypericum connects us to the soul of who we are. She's going to talk about shamanic listening and share her personal story of how Hypericum has supported her through transitions. It's so inspiring that a plant like St. Jones where it grows in disturbed areas and is thought to be invasive can bring deep soul level transformation. Mm. And that Thursday, uh, May Fourth and coming into Friday with Lucretia and Monica, and then it looks like after that we're going to have 
um, Astrid and Ian. Who do you have available there, Monica, Astrid, Ian? Uh, I've got them all, actually. Uh, I can go with oh, I have Ian. Tell us about Monica. Okay, with Monica. Let's see. So, Monica is hypericum hysteria. She says, <laughs> in Earth on the Size Botanical Sanctuary, I invite hypericum to grow anywhere she wants, and as a result, she's meandered through a variety of opportune patches. I harvest the flower in tops that she offers annually to make crimson tinctures, elixirs, and oils that are gorgeous and amazing. But the politics surrounding this weed has caused me to stop and wonder why this healing herb gets so, such bad press. I'm looking forward to sharing a few examples and a couple of my favorite hypericum recipes, um, including one that's award-winning. So she's going to get into the politics a little bit and then kind of lay that up against her own experience and dig in, I guess, a little more to where does that information come from that tries to scare us away from such a fabulous plant. I am so glad to see Monica coming on so strong. Also, Pastor Prentice, she also presented last year at the Comfrey Conference, and she was just a little bit hesitant, and this year, not at all. She's really just, like, blossoming and shining. Oh, such such great work, Monica. You know that your presentation is going to be stupendous. Ian Spawn is a new presenter. He's a naturopathic doctor. And this presentation is going to be based on his blog post, The Detox Paradox, From St. John's Wort to Grapefruit. In fact, he's going to focus exclusively on St. John's Wort and specifically its effects on the livers, CYP450 enzyme system. Ian Spahn is going to address the controversy over Hypericum's numerous pharmacological drug interactions, which has sadly caused many natural practitioners to fear it. I plan to focus on the fact that the herb does not interact with drugs so much as influence their detoxification pathways, which actually, <clears throat> in my mind, makes it worthy of consideration as a detoxifying herb, a novel application, not among its traditional uses. Not true. One of its main traditional uses is to help people overcome addictions of all kinds, which may nonetheless have been among its ancient uses. There you go. Even explaining some of its mood-lifting properties. I will explore this connection in light of some of the folklore surrounding the plant, as well as explain that the danger of taking this herb in combination with certain drugs should not be blamed on the herb, but rather on the drugs which the body sees as toxins. <laughs> you can see why we are so happy to have Ian with us. This is going to be something that we are all going to listen to and listen to and listen to again. Big words, but we'll get it. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Then we are going to also have Astrid Grove on Saturday. And then Sunday we're going to have Eagle Song. So let me talk about Astrid and you talk about Eagle Song. How about that? Sure. As I said, I've been reading, you know, making Hypericum shorts by reading books. And, of course, over and over in the books it says, don't use if pregnant or lactating. 
and the more honest of them say, don't use it, pregnant or lactating, because we just have no idea whether or not it's safe. And I always stop and say, it's okay, we do have an idea. We know it's absolutely safe for pregnant and lactating women. Astrid Grove, who presented at the Comfrey Conference about the use of Comfrey during pregnancy and is a past apprentice, is presenting Hypericum in pregnancy. You want to know how to safely and effectively use Hypericum during pregnancy? Well, my tried and true remedies are backed by 20-plus years of experience. I'm going to tell you how I use Hypericum tincture, infused oil, and salve for pregnant and lactating women. Then I want to remind you that I've been told that in Germany, if you suggest that a pregnant or lactating woman use Hypericum, you could very well lose your license to practice. Oh, my goodness. It's also rather astonishing to me how many more scientifically slanted books say, here's all these studies that prove that Hypericum is effective, but we don't have enough studies yet to to really make us think that it's as good as a drug. I'm like, how many studies does it take? Go ahead with Eagle Song, who's going to be sharing with us on Sunday. And Eagle Song, of course, at the Comfrey Conference, went all the way to England so that she could report to us from the Double Day Comfrey Research Facility. She has not gone out of her home for Hypericum because she lives in a place where it grows abundantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Eagle Song has shared that she looks forward to another deep and interesting dive into an herb that has served her and many others she's worked with uh, well, very well over the years. And she says that as a plant of the zenith, St. John's wort, St. John's wort, Hypericum perforatum, absorbs and emulates light, her sturdy, forthright nature. Willingness to grow in the most challenging places and overall resilience makes her an ally to call on whenever a sunny window for shifting perspective is needed. Eagle Song has used Hypericum for pain relief, improving circulation, and antiviral reducer of inflammation. St. Joan carries much in her possibility bag, and I look forward to sharing it. Wonderful. Let's see. Do you have... uh Kylie Denton there, or Dylan? I do. I have it. Um, so it's Kyle Denton, and uh-huh. let's see. Uh, actually, I have Dylan first. So Dylan, I'll, I'll go with him. Exploring the symbolic associations linking St. John's work to the treatment of depression um, is what I have. And he, Dylan yep. lives in Not Grill, Linfnin, Carmanthen, Carmanthen, Shard, Scotland. We are going to get a very interesting perspective on Hypericum here, much more than this little one sentence that he has given us. In fact, he was recommended to us. He's, uh, we were told, see if you can get him to present at the conference, because this man has a very interesting take on this plant. And this is Dylan Warren Davis from Scotland, who will be there on Monday, the 8th of May, with a presentation and a Zoom. And then go ahead with Kyle. Kyle is going to get into the relationship that St. Jones Wart has with our subtle field, the emotional and spiritual body um, 
our emotional and spiritual body through the nature of the plant. Uh, he will unveil the signatures of St. John's wort and focus on spiritual sight using tools beyond our material senses. Wow. Okay. And J.C. Clarkson, who lives in the mountains of the unceded territory of the uh, Sinext Nation in West Kootenays of British Columbia, will lead us through breathing and meditation with St. Joan's Wort, sharing her own experience, anecdotes from her students, how to communicate with Hypericum, and what she's gleaned in the process. We want to expand our relationship with plants into a two-directional flow of reciprocity, calling our ancestors. I'm so looking forward to this. And Althea Northage, or a dear friend, I am so thrilled that Althea has consented to present at the Hypericum Conference, and she is going to be talking about St. John's Wort and inflammations of the nerves. It's a very important role to play in any infection that inflames the nervous system. In particular, it has a very big role to play in resolving herpetic infections. She's going to talk about its use in dealing with shingles, chickenpox, genital herpes, mononucleosis, and Epstein-Barr virus. And there's some pretty strong evidence, not that Epstein-Barr virus gives you multiple sclerosis, but that everybody who has multiple sclerosis does indeed seem to have pretty severe Epstein-Barr virus. So there's even a possibility, vague possibility, that taking hypericum tincture fairly regularly will help prevent multiple sclerosis. We don't know. This is a real shot in the dark, but oh my goodness, what an interesting shot in the dark. And then two more presenters from last year, both of whom I loved, everybody did, Ellen Everett Hopman and Barbara Volk. Who do you want to read about, Sarah? Uh, let's see. I've got Barbara Volk up here. She says, there are many faces of hypericum, over 300 species around the world. She's identified four in her area, and she's going to talk about those specific four species and their differences. She's going to show which ones she uses that gives her the medicine she knows and loves, and she will discuss the indigenous uses, most of which are very different from the way we currently use St. Joan's wort. Uh, she will also show her process of rendering fat and demonstrate making an ointment using several different fats. So excited for that. Oh, she is so beautiful when she shares her hands on work. And Ellen Everett Hopman, who I said, please present about the magic and the mystery of Hypericum. And of course, I begged her also to do that about Comfrey, and she grumbled at me a little bit about Comfrey. Comfrey is not a very magical or blah, blah, blah. So come on, you can find something. I know you can. And she did. And she also, of course, told us about her magical Comfrey ointment. But when I asked her about Hypericum, she said, ah, at last, something juicy. In fact, as I'm reading through these books, when they get to the magical, mystical uses of Hypericum, of which there are a lot, I've been skipping over those areas because I know that Ellen Everett Hopman is going to totally wow you with 
every marvelous thing about it. It's an important herb for magic and healing. I'm going to discuss how to smoke it over the midsummer fire to make a magical talisman as they do in Brittany and a few deities associated such as Baldor and Helios. We'll talk about Hecate, the goddess of ghosts and sorcery, and how she collected St. John's Wood in the sunny fields of Greece, while Circe, daughter of Helios and Medea, princess of Colchis, distilled its leaves and flowers for a potent charm. Nice. The Hypericum Conference is coming. I hope we see you there. Mm-hmm. Thank you sharing my quest to return herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Thank you, Sarah Ellen. Thank you, Justine, and happy birthday again, my darling daughter, and happy birthday to all of you, no matter what day you were born on. Green blessings, and good night, everybody.